Hi everyone, welcome back to Exploring Health at Every Size. Today we are talking to Dr. Taylor Thurston. Dr. Thurston is a naturopathic doctor working with a clinical focus on mental health. Listen along to learn more about her experience with the Health at Every Size framework in this setting. Enjoy the show. Okay, hello Dr. Thurston. Thank you so much for coming today and speaking to me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Of course. I'm wondering to get this started, if you could first give uh, a brief introduction of yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do. Yeah. So I'm a naturopathic doctor practicing in Burnaby, BC, and I have a focus in mental health. And so prior to completing my naturopathic medical degree, I spent four years at RIT, which is Rochester Institute of Technology, where I completed my undergrad degree and also played division one hockey. Mm -hmm. And um, essentially it was through my own personal struggles with mental health that brought me to where I am today, Uh, shifting a little bit away from my education. I, I thought I wanted to be a psychologist or a therapist. And so Um, I went down that route. It wasn't until my third or fourth year of university where I shifted away from that and just tried to open up more avenues just because I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And um, throughout my time in athletics and just with my own personal experience, I struggled with debilitating depression and anxiety for most of my life. And so I tried many different medication. I went to countless healthcare practitioners and therapy sessions just to try and figure out what was going on with me. Mm -hmm. And it actually wasn't until I found my own naturopathic doctor. And at the time, I had no idea that naturopathic doctors even existed. Mm -hmm. And so that was where I was able to um, actually tell my story. And I was dedicated so much time and effort and lot of compassion in that uh, time through with the naturopathic doctor that really kind of inspired me to become a naturopathic doctor and specifically focus in the mental health world. Thank you for sharing that story. Um, It sounds like you really had like a personal kind of draw to the profession and had a good experience with that. I know me personally, I also have a naturopath and I love her. (laughs) My (laughs) life would not be the same without her. I go for um, hormonal regulation things. And I feel like, yeah, my naturopath has been life-changing. And like you said, a lot of people like you didn't know about naturopaths before. And I mean, this was my kind of first experience with one too, but they're so important. Yeah. I wish everyone could have one just like having a conventional medical Mm -hmm. doctor as well. I think it's a great part of healthcare in general and just an integrative approach to any kind of ailment that you may have. I so agree. I really wish that our healthcare covered Mm -hmm. that as kind of like a first step before, you know, maybe doing other conventional kind of treatments. But yeah, kind of taking this into the approach of looking at health at every size. Can you tell me a little bit about kind of where you learned about that and how that kind of fits into your um, job and kind Mm -hmm. of what you know about the framework? So I I essentially can't really talk about um, health at every size without talking about my personal story and how I 
experienced a lot of disordered eating through my sports and it Mm. wasn't really myself, but I saw it through a lot of my teammates and individuals in high level sports just at my university. And Mm. so with my athletic background and then naturopathic medical school, there was a lot of unlearning that I had to do. And so because of a lot of medical training, I believe that most healthcare practitioners have some inherent bias surrounding weight. And so I really dove deep into looking at all the different aspects at health at every size and, and making sure that I had um, looked at my own biases and, Mm -hmm. and, and checked my own self-awareness in terms of those things. Mm -hmm. And because I have a clinical focus in mental health space, I've seen such a huge correlation between mental health diagnoses and maladaptive eating behaviors and and just um, overall not the best relationship with food and body. And so this is essentially what has encouraged me to spike such a large passion and interest in health at every size and and specifically actually mindful eating and intuitive eating, which mm-hmm. I have additional uh, training and mindfulness training um, and slowly dipping my feet into the intuitive eating realm. I guess I would say that my biggest interest sparked through my own medical uh, training and how much unlearning I had to do because of our education and how much we talk about you know, clean eating, fasting, all these different types of diet and how actually harmful that can be for so many people. And it doesn't, it's not necessarily with the intent of harm ever. It's just, I think that if we don't look at those biases about weight and how those diets can influence individuals in our society, then we are essentially doing harm to a lot of people and maybe educating the wrong thing. Sounds like you kind of recognize that there's a huge correlation between um, mental health struggles, but then also correlating that with, you know, also struggling with some body image and disordered eating and those two components really, they intertwine and it's a really complex relationship for a lot of people. And you were saying, you mentioned a couple of things there that I wanted to dive deeper in the mindfulness eating and the intuitive eating. Yeah. I'm wondering if you could, maybe we could break that up and you could tell us a little bit about both. Yeah, for sure. I just wanted to uh, tackle on a little bit about social media too, just because mm-hmm. there is so much out there in the wellness world. And and again, like I mentioned, a lot of it is supposed to be trying to help us and focus on nutrition, but we've become so um, black and white and right and wrong with food. And I think that it's just become such a problem and mm-hmm. eating disorders specifically have grown and grown and And so just making sure that we're careful of who we follow and who we take advice from and kind of questioning the food rules that we often have. Um, I definitely am guilty of this, especially through my naturopathic medical degree. I removed all these different foods because they were inflammatory and all these different types of things. And they caused a lot of like, digestive upset. And so some of those things, I really had to train my mind and my nervous system to be able to um, handle a lot of those things again. And so 
just to be cautious about those types of things and who you follow. And one thing specifically is what I often recommend and talk to patients about is that if anyone is saying always or never Mm -hmm. uh, to a lot of things, it kind of should strike you as a little bit of a red flag, um, especially with different food groups and um, yeah, just to check the credentials of some of the people, especially and like some of them are nutritionists and have a lot of credentials. It's just maybe that might not be a good fit for you. And so um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things out there. And so um, having these conversations and getting information and educating the public on health at every size and those types of things are are super important. But yeah, so for uh, mindfulness-based um eating. So that's something that I'm very passionate about. I learned through um, my own experience with mindfulness-based stress reduction, which is MBSR. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, there's little pieces of mindful eating throughout that. I definitely um, need more training and mindfulness-based eating awareness training and, and those types of things. But what what has really shifted for me is learning how to be present with our food and to actually experience the food through all of our senses. Mm-hmm. And that's something that whether we're talking about disordered eating or not is such an important piece of, you know, really healthy um, eating behaviors and things like that. And so one of the exercises I talk about with patients is eating a raisin, for example. You can use any type of food, but essentially you go through all your senses and you look at the food, you look at the light hitting the food a different way, you feel the food, and essentially you're going through all your senses to actually experience the fullness of the food mm-hmm. um, rather than you know eating distractingly, watching TV or on your phone or things like that. And so I'm definitely guilty of that. I still do that sometimes. I definitely don't eat my meals mindfully every time, but uh, it's something that I, that I'm slowly working on. And even if I can only be mindful of a few bites in each meal, I think that's going to help digestion. It's going to help us appreciate our food a little bit more. But a big thing is how we notice hunger cues and fullness and satiety and, Mm. and, and actually um, having some pleasure and and satisfaction with eating the food can help with digestion alone, but also just to your overall wellness and, and satisfaction towards the food and the meal that you're eating. Yeah. That all sounds so important, you know, like taking the time and the space to really you know, from end to end, like enjoy the food and really like take it in. And Mm -hmm. I love that you mentioned that you still sometimes do not eat mindfully, you know, it's, it's not the always or not. And that, that just really reminded me that, you know, you're really saying it's okay to do it sometimes and it's okay to not as well. Like not every meal you need to like sit there and like take it in. Cause yeah, I'm the same way. I'm kind of always like, Oh, I should be like mindfully eating. And sometimes I just don't. Yeah. We, we develop this all or nothing thinking a lot of times and especially with food, especially with weight, um, especially with healthcare, Mm -hmm. we develop this all or nothing thing. And and I don't think that it ever is that way. It's, it's quite a ebb and flow. It's going to flow from time to time. Things are going to get 
a little bit better with some meals, uh, not so much. We're going to completely not eat mindfully, sometimes otherwise. So essentially, kind of what I was, what you were alluding to before is that there, there definitely isn't an all or nothing thinking with it. And it's all going to take time to develop and develop our senses and skills towards it as well. Right? Honoring that is, or even being aware of those emotions and things that come up for you is kind of the first step towards um, a better relationship with food. And then what about the intuitive eating part? Can you speak a little bit to that as well? Yeah. So there's, there's 10 main principles for intuitive eating, but I won't go through them all. Mm -hmm. I think the big ones that I like to talk about with patients and in the public is rejecting the diet mentality. So that's, that's something that I brought up a little bit earlier with food rules and the specific all or nothing restrictive eating and things like that. Um, but more importantly, with mindful intuitive eating, you're honoring your hunger and your fullness. And so that actually is very difficult because we've for so many years, for some people, they've been restricting just to keep their weight at a certain a certain spot. And, and so we don't even trust our bodies anymore. So mm-hmm. we're coming to this place where we're learning again, we're learning to trust our body, we're learning to develop skills to be attuned to those, those cues. And, and that's, it's hard. And so like, even sometimes, especially with me, like there's sometimes where I'm like, oh yeah, I'm should have eaten eaten a few hours ago. I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling my concentration go. I'm getting a little bit anxious or maybe some um restlessness or things, a um, headache. So mm-hmm. it's learning to come back to your body again and trusting those um hunger and fullness cues. And then yeah, making peace with food and challenging those food rules that we have, those are some of the common intuitive eating principles that I talk about with patients a lot, just because, yeah, there's so much out there and there's, there's things we've made up because our grandma told us one time, or we, we, we saw it on a TikTok and we Mm. thought that was the end all be all. Um, we've removed food groups and we, we don't really necessarily know why. Um, so Mm -hmm. it's those types of things and, um, just questioning where that information is coming from and and where those thoughts came from, I think Mm -hmm. is a big one, especially with food, because, um, just thinking about how food could be bad. I'm doing quotations because Mm -hmm. what is a bad food really? So it's, things like that, that are important to talk to patients and educate the public on. Yeah. Those food labels of good and bad are, it's, it is so interesting because it is so, you know, arbitrary when you do that and label the good and bad kind of coming back to that shame, you do just place a lot of shame around food then, because if you eat something bad, all of a sudden that's terrible, you know? Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's interesting what you said about that intuitive eating too. It it almost seems like eating and like hunger kind of has become like a second or like, you know, even third or fourth like priority for people. It's like you don't yeah. actually really prioritize. And like I am so guilty of that as well. Like I I work in the service industry and I will go through a full shift without ever eating and mm-hmm. or yeah. I'll just go through a full day without eating and then I get off and I feel terrible. I'm like 
why, why don't I just stop and yeah. eat and just like, listen, it's kind of the way our society has been built. And so that's mm-hmm. one thing that I always talk about too. Like naturopathic school was the least naturopathic thing I could ever done. Like I was rushing to things, eating on the go, all of those types of things. I still do that. And so we also need to acknowledge that our lives are really busy and super mm-hmm. stressful. And so um, adding that shame and guilt is doing absolutely no good for us. And mm-hmm. so uh, listening to those emotions coming up and, and and figuring out where those come from. But yeah, we're definitely all guilty of, you know, going way too long without food just because of the our our schedule, our schedule alone. Yeah. And it's so interesting that it's like, we, I feel like the diet thing and the diet culture has been tried, like tried again in yeah. generation and generation. And like, has it ever worked? I don't think so. Right. So there really needs to be a shift in that. Cause it just, it clearly, it doesn't work the shame and guilt and just the, you know, putting, Oh, this, this fat diet, no cal, like no carbs or no fats or, yeah, you know, yeah all the new, all the diets have shifted and changed, but it's like, I don't think anyone has had a long lasting, like positive impact on like a large number of people enough to be like, oh yes, this. So it's like, maybe the way that we're doing it just does not work. (laughs) Right. And I think it, it comes back to, you know, our emotions and our actual health behaviors as a whole, we're -hmm. focusing so much on this one number and this weight and this size of body that really for a lot of us doesn't really make a difference. What's important is looking at everybody's health as a whole. So like, are we talking about stress? Are we talking about your sleep? Do you feel energized throughout the day? Uh, Have you gotten movement that actually feels enjoyable to you? Mm -hmm. And so those are the pieces that I think health at every size is doing so well because they're talking about health as a holistic thing instead of this one silly little number that we've Mm -hmm. all gotten so attached to. and, And this, I guess, moral compass that we've put on weight and food and it's and I don't think that we do that as much for any other um any other health illness and so it's questioning those things and where they're coming from in our society Mm -hmm. um is I think part of the solution to a lot of this um weight or anti-diet movement things And it sounds like the mindful eating and also intuitive eating really speak to those principles in health at every size that kind of focus on the, like the nourishment part of the component of that framework. How do you kind of approach this kind of mentality and this framework of, of working with patients who maybe have a goal of weight loss? Yeah, I think what the biggest thing is when patients come into the clinic to see me with a chief concern of weight or goal of weight loss, I always do the same regardless of the chief complaint. And, Mm -hmm. and that's getting a detailed information about their past, their current medical history, intake form, physical exam, blood work, all of those intensive things. But what I, what I think about in the back of my mind is that especially with working with patients with mental health um, and mental health symptoms and concerns is that the toll that the pursuit of weight loss can have is 
often on their mental health is often greater health risk than their body size or weight loss in, in general. And so that's what I always keep in mind. That's not something I always say right off the bat, but I keep mm-hmm. that in mind because I think that it becomes this emotional roller coaster. Mm-hmm. And what I always try and get at with my patients is kind of like the why, where is this coming from? Um, is it coming from a long history of people telling them they're overweight or live in a larger body? Um, Is it coming from the internet? Where are these aspects of that goal coming from? And then the biggest thing is I I look at it kind of like what I was mentioning before with a holistic view. So rather than focusing on this weight, the scale, the body size, Mm -hmm. let's focus on how can we optimize your health so yet you feel better? So again, I think there is a huge advantage for naturopathic doctors to come in on this avenue way more than a lot of compare, just in terms of the time that we get to spend with our patients alone, because we can ask these questions. We can figure out where these thoughts are coming from, where the, what the relationship is with their body, what have they been told their whole life, those types of things. And so Um, I like to just honestly optimize their stress management, their sleep quality. Um, Are they fueling and nourishing their body? Um, Have they taken out food groups just because someone has told them those types of things? And so rather than focusing on weight, even if it's a patient's chief concern, I focus on how can we optimize all of those other aspects of their health that maybe or maybe not will change their weight, but will ultimately help them feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I like to stress those pieces of health rather than so much with, with weight and um, going on a little bit of a tangent here, but one big thing that often what, what I find wellness practitioners and healthcare practitioners do is focus on what we're going to take out rather mm-hmm. than what we're going to add. And so one of the biggest things I do with a lot of my patients, regardless if it's weight or anything completely relevant to that, is that can we add more vegetables? Can we add more protein? Can we add more sleep? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Is there a time that you can take away from your stressful life to go out for a walk in nature? So those types of things where let's add instead of taking away, let's have a little bit more of an abundance mindset rather than um, a scarcity fear-based approach to health. Yeah. And that really changes, I think the whole, yeah, the mindset about it when, when it's like an ad instead of don't do or do less of, right. It really shifts, you know, the focus um, and how you, you know, go about then completing that task or the motivation to do that task So it sounds like you really kind of take away that focus on the weight and kind of, you know, focus on the other aspects and bring other aspects in to make it more of a holistic, integrative approach to health. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For something that just sparked from what you were saying too, is that what I have seen is some patients come in with a chief concern or or a goal to lose weight and Mm -hmm. they're so burnt out. They aren't sleeping. They're taking care of their kids and their parents and they're exhausted 
And so even just helping them feel more energized and coming back out of a burnout state too um, is really important. And I think we get so attached to certain things about weight that we're not really looking at all the other aspects that really contribute to your overall quality of life and mental and physical wellness, really. And so that's super important mm-hmm. to me. And when I try to shift that narrative for the patients, just to see where I'm coming from. And I think it allows them to take some weight, some pressure off themselves to be like, okay, yeah, that, that makes way more sense. Mm-hmm. Like maybe I will feel better if I'm sleeping more mm-hmm. or, or I'm moving for my own energy and and wellness needs rather than I'm going to work out for for weight loss which is a whole other um topic too Mm -hmm. and how do you um maybe deal with patients that come in if they're like a little bit skeptical of this approach because you Hmm. know I know for a lot of people for so long it's like you're being taught you know no like weight loss diets like like uh a you know a certain weight equals that means you're healthy and that's it. Mm, yeah. Um, so it can be really scary sometimes to, you know, change your entire like knowledge around this topic. And how do you kind of, um, deal with patients that might be kind of skeptical or scared um, mm-hmm. yeah. about this approach? I, I find it interesting too, cause I definitely have had this bias myself and it's something I've I had to unlearn, but mm-hmm. that whole idea that we've We've very much said like an ideal weight equals health or an ideal body size equals health. It's just not true. And Mm -hmm. the research is, is there to show that too. Like, yes, we can, there are some cardiometabolic risk factors when there's a certain threshold for certain weight, but those, um, that might not mean be true for all of those individuals. Mm -hmm. And so we've we've really um, made this, yeah, this moral compass towards weight and weight equals health and weight equals um, worth. Yeah. 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 And it's where the heck did that come from? Right. So, and that's just so totally wrong and, and um, ethically unfair for so many individuals. And so um, getting back to your question a little bit about how do I approach those that might be a little bit skeptical mm-hmm. is I ask them what they've tried, what has worked in the past and what you'll see and see in the research is yes, when we restrict certain things and, and we do a, some sort of diet with, with calorie deficit, mm-hmm. we will see short-term mm-hmm. weight loss, but it usually never sticks and long-term there's likely more consequences than good. And so those are the things that I I like to talk about. And one thing usually is when we start to kind of uncover where those thoughts are coming from in terms of where their their weight bias or even their own stigma or lack of self-esteem, for example, is coming from is it's usually a combination of what people have told them, what they've heard and and kind of what has failed them. And and what I like to tell other people is that it's not you who failed, it's the mm-hmm. system. And it's and it's the the diets and those types of things that have failed them and not vice versa. 
um, because I think a lot of people put so much pressure and so Mm -hmm. much stigma on these um, on just weight itself. And it has nothing to do with Mm -hmm. your motivation or your willpower. It's really it's really wrong when we say it that way. And there's just it's so much more complex than people realize. And so to put that much shame on an individual is is really sad. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like, you know, the education and being there through support um, with your patient is really important in that process, um, Mm -hmm. kind of helping them come to, you know, a hopefully a better um, experience with their body and, and themselves mentally and, and physically. And yeah, I think with the research, it's just, you know, it's such like misconceptions out there of, you know, what is true and what is false about weight. And, um, you do really then take that like personally and internally. And it's like, well, everybody else says that, you know, they can Mm -hmm. just control their weight and keep control of their weight. So it must be me, you know, right. It must be the problem that I just can't control my weight. But realistically, if you actually look at the research, it's like, no weight is so genetic. Um, like, so many twin studies have shown that it's like, it would be funny if it were to do with height. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Like why can't I just be taller? Like other people can control that. But, um, I mean, obviously weight is, there's more complexities with height maybe, but it's just interesting that we don't, we still don't think about, um, kind of the same kind of genetic components or, you know, just the the complexness of weight. A lot of people kind of just boil it down to willpower and that is really damaging. Yeah. And then that in itself is such something that I always want to acknowledge and, and, and inform people and educate and things like this and to inform people that it's not a behavioral or personal choice. The idea that weight loss and your ability to control your weight is, is about free will is wrong. And the extent to which we have free will over eating and movement is just so much more complicated than people think. And so um, even talking about the socioeconomic disadvantage Mm -hmm. that so many individuals face and how complex the system is in terms of our access to food, you know, food insecurity is rampant right now, interest Mm -hmm. rate, inflation, living at poverty, poverty level, level, um, can't even afford like fresh vegetables and mm-hmm. things like that. And so that's also something to acknowledge for so many individuals. Um, and that whole idea that you may, you might not know when you're getting food again. And, mm-hmm. and that's something that's often not even acknowledged when we talk about weight bias and, and weight size and body size. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And yeah, I mean, especially, <laughs> coming out of the pandemic, um, inflation is just like, oh my gosh, every time I go to the grocery store, I'm like, oh, these onions that were like 50 cents are now like $2. It's just exactly. Yeah. It's wild. It's really wild. And it's, and it's definitely a problem for everyone. And it was before inflation even happened and Mm -hmm. before the pandemic happened. I'm so that's Mm -hmm. also a really important aspect to speak about as well. And so how do you set goals with patients that are not solely focused on, on weight loss? Cause I feel like, you know, 
maybe some of my experience going to a GP or medical doctor, it's like, okay, let's get you to the, you know, this weight. It's like, Mm. what are some goals that you maybe focus on then? I guess uh, you did talk about kind of like adding things in. Um, Is there anything else that you, you know, focus on with that? Yeah, I think, I think again, it comes down to the individual person and depends on what their goals are and what their life looks like. And, and maybe for example, if it is weight loss or or feeling better in their body, for example, it's kind of questioning the why underneath that. And then, for example, if it's to be able to go on hikes with their families or ski a little bit longer, for example, that's just, um, then we'll talk about how we'll switch in movement and add in um, like life enhancing movement. And so that's a principle of um, health at every size that's, mm-hmm. that I think is really awesome. And, and we would shift the mindset of, well, for so many people, they go to the gym to lose weight. They go to the gym mm-hmm. to stay at a particular size. So even shifting that mindset to be like, well, I actually want to go to the gym. So I feel mentally and emotionally better. I want to go to the gym to feel stronger. Mm-hmm. I actually am going to the gym. So I sleep better. I am going to the gym because it actually gives me energy. And so those, I um, definitely this might be a little bit different than some other naturopathic doctors or or family doctors, for examples, but I definitely ask patients what their goals are, but they're often not something that's overly metric and super detailed um, because a lot of these are, they will ebb and flow. And so mm-hmm. I don't want to make patient, patients feel like they've failed if those goals aren't met. And so that's why like at Health at Every Size, they don't talk about the number on the scale or even look at the scale or even do any of those types of things. And, and so I think that that that's an individualized thing, depending on what the patient wants and and needs and their goals in their life. But Mm -hmm. overall, just talking about like, okay, well, how can we improve your quality of life um, rather than talking about a number on a scale and an objective number like that, that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Totally. It really sounds like, you know, taking more of an individualistic approach to it and, you know, asking the patient, it's like, okay, what are your actual goals for your life um, Mm -hmm. that you want to be living? And then how can we kind of work towards that instead of, yeah, maybe looking at it a little bit more metrically or just at, you know, a scale and, and thinking that, you know, oh, once you hit that certain number, your life is going to change. Right. Like, yeah. You're going to be happy. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really important and in incorporating like all, all aspects of their life, uh, kind of into that mm-hmm. process as well. Yeah. Essentially supporting and emphasizing overall health and supporting healthy behaviors is, I guess, my shift in area of focus rather than the specific number. And yeah, stronger nourishing meals and enjoying physical activity, all those things that have so many different other benefits that are way besides weight loss. And so, um, yeah, improving overall well-being is, is I think when we talk to patients and we have these deeper complex conversations about where these are things are coming from that shifts for a lot of patients too. And and it might not happen in the first visit Mm -hmm. and it might require, and it's something that 
I often do is refer out to um, um, clinical counselors, psychologists. Um, and so that is an important piece of practice as well. And finding finding people that support those ideas and have had additional training in intuitive eating and mindfulness-based eating, but disordered eating and self-esteem, those types of things are also important when looking for a provider that actually is going to suit or give you the tools to better overall your health. Yeah. And I think you mentioned something really important there is also like you know, reaching out to other resources and also, you know, it's so important to have like specializations and knowledge in certain areas, but I think it's also important to kind of, you know, know your limits and know when it might be best to reach out to a clinical counselor or other people that may also be just beneficial for that individual. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that in an ideal world that we'd all have those areas where we could have an integrative approach where everyone, everything is being addressed and, and patients feel heard and valued and appreciated in all those areas. And, and I think that, yeah, a combination of, you know, family doctor, naturopathic doctor, counselor, psychologist, and all of those things integrated um, can have a way better outcome in terms of your health and how you feel every day than, than just seeing one or not the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And kind of coming at it from like a really collaborative approach, it sounds like is also important instead of like, you know, no, I, my one way is the best way to right. help this patient or no, my one way, you know, like I feel like maybe Western medicine and then like naturopathic medicine can always get like pitted almost against each other. But right. I think that there's a world where it's like, you can have both and you can mm-hmm. work with both. Yeah. And I think that that usually ends up having the best outcome uh, because you're getting expertise and, and, and special areas of focus for different people. And, and everybody has their own um, education that better suits certain individuals. So um, collaborative and integrative is, is often really helpful for people. And when you do kind of collaborate with other um, professionals, do you make sure that they are, you know, kind of in alignment with you about your beliefs? Well, not beliefs, but just like practice around like, you know, having this informed, maybe health at every size approach to health? Yeah, Yeah, it definitely depends on what the chief concern is or the goal of the patient. But if it's often related to uh, mindful eating or intuitive eating or um, health at every size approach. It's definitely something that I talk to the individual mm-hmm. that I'm referring to. I usually send quite a detailed referral letter explaining what's been kind of happening and and where I see fit for both of us to work as a team together mm-hmm. in a collaborative sense. Um, but I always, I often make sure that whenever I'm referring or working together as a team, that it's someone I've met. I know how they practice. Mm -hmm. I know what their philosophy and modalities that they use for treatment. And I think that's also really important. And one Mm -hmm. thing in terms of how other healthcare practitioners can, can, if they're not interested in taking that education and learning those things, which I think everyone should, but Mm -hmm. if, um, 
if you aren't, it's finding those people within your area and within the town that you're practicing, for example, and and referring to those people where they where you know that those uh, things will be addressed because mm-hmm. that's a, a big part of good care for individuals and making sure that they those needs are met. Totally. And yeah, I, credentials are so important, but I, I I feel like I hear you. It's also important to, you know, know the person, you know, mm-hmm. do your research and kind of look into those other aspects that, um, you know, influence care. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's really important. So you mentioned um, some ways around, you know, food, the mindful eating and intuitive eating that we can kind of incorporate that aspect of health at every size into their life and kind of practice that. Mm -hmm. Are there any other kind of ways people can practice those principles? Yeah. One thing I I address a little bit with mindful eating, but one thing too, um, you can add into that mindful eating as well as thinking about when you're eating, for example, like where the food came from, who was involved in the creation of the food. Um, Because if you even think of a a raisin, for example, the grape had to be grown, the people had to put the seeds down and, and then we had to dry it. And then it was likely cleaned multiple times and Mm -hmm. then driven in a car and that's a bad example because most people don't love raisins, but um, if we think about kind of where we got the food and how the food actually got there and and who made the food and prepped the food, there it, it, it also becomes a little bit more of a gratitude practice as well. I think that honoring the food and engaging all the senses and, and those types of things can be really valuable. Intuitive eating and mindful eating are definitely what a few of the go-to exercises in terms of like feeling fullness and satiety and actually enjoying the food. But um, I think we touched on it a little bit earlier, but finding um, if you are active on social media, like making sure that you're following people that value those things and maybe removing ones that don't. So there's quite a lot of uh, dietitians, um, clinical counselors, psychologists, naturopathic doctors who are really following and valuing the principles of health at every size or or those types of intuitive eating. And so mm-hmm. I think making sure that those aspects of your social media platforms are are shown those things. And so mm-hmm. uh, that's another way that you can kind of integrate it as well. And um if you're not super interested yet in taking any of those courses um, in those areas, that can might that might be a good start where they post some exercises or or things that you can do to learn about it. Yeah, I, I like that kind of, you know, having self-reflection for yourself when it comes to, you know, mindful eating practices and even thinking beyond just food, but you know, how that kind of came to you and also, you know, also thinking about social aspects and who you're following on social media and what your influences in your kind of everyday life are, because that can definitely have a, a major impact on your emotional well-being and, and mental mm-hmm. well-being. Yeah. And then one thing that added on top of maybe what we talked about a little bit before is that because most people have some sort of bias or food rules that have come from who knows where mm-hmm. um, we want to just be careful, but those restrictive diets and eliminating foods um, 
And so that's just another piece that we can we can be aware of as we go along throughout our food life and just mm-hmm. questioning, oh, why is that food not in my life? Or where has that gone? Or where have those restrictive diets maybe harmed me in the past? And so finding um, those patterns in your own life and, and being aware of those. Um, and then another big thing is, yeah, just being it's okay to ask for help if that's something that's um, been an issue for you in, in the past. And there's so many healthcare practitioners and individuals willing and wanting to help and develop a better relationship with food, body, mind. And so that's another big piece. And 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 um, I know how much courage it can take to ask for help, regardless of what it is. Mm-hmm. And so uh, leaning on the individuals in your life that can help facilitate that for you is really important as well. Yeah, that's really important to bring up. Definitely, you know, finding support in your life where you can and and yeah, it's okay to ask for help. Mm-hmm. Maybe as a kind of last question to wrap things up here, is there any other ways that you think um, some professionals can kind of further incorporate mm-hmm. health at every size practices into their work? Yeah, I think the biggest thing and something I've had to do and unpack is unlearning and being aware of your own biases Mm -hmm. and supporting individuals by fostering like a safe and non-judgmental space, I think Mm -hmm. is the biggest thing in terms of what healthcare practitioners can do. Um, A lot of it we've talked about before, but kind of avoiding labeling individuals of labeling food good or bad and Mm -hmm. um, being careful with suggesting restrictive diets and eliminating foods. Um, And I think the biggest thing is like, don't be afraid as a healthcare practitioner, like to ask those questions and to see where those food rules are coming up for people and what their relationship with food and their body is. And again, knowing where to refer when it feels like it's out of your scope. Mm-hmm. Um, but like anything, if it doesn't feel comfortable for you, it's likely because we need to do more education and we need to learn. And so continuing education in the subject, take a course, ask mm-hmm. somebody who is trained in mindful eating or intuitive eating, or really embraces the health at every size principles. And so that we can slowly bring this information to the the public and knowing, yeah, where we can refer these patients to, to make sure that they're getting the help that they need if that's necessary and, um, kind of breaking down those food rules and anti-diet culture, things that, that have become such a apparent thing in our society. Yes. That was a wonderful answer. Um, yeah, I think further education and just, you know, supporting one another is, is so important and in furthering people and just helping everybody. So thank you so much. Um, really appreciate you chatting today. Um, I feel like I learned a lot from what you said. And so I, I really appreciate you sharing your knowledge. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy that you're doing this and getting this information out to the public. It's very much needed. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope all these conversations were informative and helped you learn more about health at every size. 
If you stayed along for the ride, then I really appreciate you listening and I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you.